I'm Chef Pete Gagan from Cargill, and we're in the kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats. It's a podcast where we'll be serving up insights and perspectives for chefs and food service professionals. And of course, we'll be digging into the world of premium beef, because even with over 30 years of culinary experience, I still have an appetite for learning more. I hope you're hungry too. This is part one of a two-part episode. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss part two. Just follow the directions at the end to get every episode. We're coming to you from the Cargill Innovation Center in Wichita, Kansas. And today on the podcast, we're welcoming Chef Steven Junta. If the name sounds familiar, it's because this is his second time on the podcast. Last time he was talking about unique ways to prepare popular beef cuts. It's a great listen if you haven't heard it already. Today, we're tapping into his knowledge to explore his views on how chefs can push menus and operations from good to great, including the importance of ingredients, service, equipment, and everyday ways memorable eating experiences can be created. For background, Chef Stephen is the culinary director here at Cargill. He cooked in the White House during the Reagan administration, and he's one of only 67 certified master chefs in the U.S. If you want to talk greatness, this is the guy to talk to. Today, he is joining us from his home in Naperville, Illinois. Welcome back into the kitchen, Chef Stephen. Thanks, Chef Pete. It's always great to talk to you and looking forward to this today. So I'd just like to start off with a simple but subjective question. As professionals in this business, we spend a lot of time talking about what is great. After all, when it comes to the world of culinary, a massive world that encompasses so many parts, not everyone at the table being served food understands exactly what great is and how something really good crosses that line to be even better. Can you define, in your opinion, what great is? That's a, a good setup, Chef Pete. And I know you and I have talked about this a little bit in the past, but great to me is you can't wait to call a friend and tell them about the experience. Yeah. It's, it's something that you'll remember. It kind of stays with you. But it's also a little familiar. So in order to experience great, I think you have to experience maybe mediocre <laughs> or bad, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have a separation. And, and it's the same thing, but amplified. It's brighter, louder, maybe crispier when it comes to food. And it goes back to a lot of good cooking fundamentals. If you do a lot of little things well, they add up to something that the, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And that's good cooking, that's good service, that's good eating. And so I define great as something that you've kind of experienced before, but almost for the first time because it's that good. That makes a lot of sense. I think about that too. It's, you know, early on in your career, you know, do you know what great is? Maybe in your mind you do, but that's going to grow and it's going to change as you get better at what you do and learn more, you know, as a chef. Experience is what helps us grow, right? What, what is great today May not be great tomorrow, but you keep going in that direction and making that experience better. So talking about, you know, early on in your career, can you tell us some of the influences and experiences that really come to mind for you that have stuck with you, that impression of greatness and something you always look back to and go, that that really set me on the right path? I can, and, and it'll be interesting to go back that far. So I'm 41 <laughs> years in the business Um this year, and thinking about the people that molded and shaped my career, they were all passionate about something and really focused on other facets of running a restaurant or being a chef. 
besides just the fundamental knife skills and the coordination of cooking. And one of my early mentors, Tim Ryan, who's now the president of the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, he quoted a French philosopher, Brilliat Savarin, that said, it takes a thousand times to cook a piece of meat to start to understand it. And that was sort of good news, bad news for me. It's like, wow, you know, I'll, I'll be really, really old when I've cooked a steak a thousand times. <laughs> but there's a, obviously, there's wisdom in that, in that you can't get to great with a, an average set of skills. So greatness is, I think, a beacon that all of us can aspire to no matter what you do. Repetition gets you there, but only repetition that's very focused towards the pursuit of perfection. And Vince Lombardi said, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. And I that kind of stuck with me early on, the, the French philosopher and the legendary football coach. But I think everybody can learn from someone next to them in a kitchen or in a corporate setting. And so greatness comes from, I think, a depth of passion and understanding and I've been just really fortunate to work with people that would rather be cooking than doing anything else, no matter if money wasn't on the table. And that's a blessed career, and I'm just thrilled that I'm still in it. You mentioned the word perfection, and there are those that strive for that, but sometimes what truly is perfect may not be achievable, especially in the world of food. I mean, the way I look at it, that you may think you cooked the perfect dish, and that's great. And nine out of 10 people <laughs> at the table love it. But that 10th that person goes, eh, eh it's okay. <laughs> that's a hard one for us to get, right? But it's just the fact that everybody's taste buds are a little different. If I could jump in, because that's such a great point that you made, maybe that 10th person that wasn't wowed, maybe they had a better version of that. And uh -huh, yeah. I think as chefs, early on, you know, you, you asked about my, my learning formative years I worked for chefs that did not hesitate to go out into the dining room and talk to people. And it wasn't forced or uncomfortable. It was friendly. And nowadays, I think that's an exciting time for diners to, to connect with the chef who hopefully thrilled them with their, with their food. But there's that learning loop when you offer something up like that. You're offering you know, a piece of your, yourself, your spirit to someone and say, hey, I hope everything was okay because we, you know, we do our best in the back and would love to hear, you know, your experience. There's always the opportunity to learn because I think people that have a good experience sometimes will pick the one or two things you could improve on. And those that have a healthy enough ego to listen to that feedback usually get better because they think about, well, maybe we could do it better, or different or something to make it more approachable. 100% correct there. I mean, if we don't talk to those that we're serving our food to and, and get that feedback and understand, maybe we think we're making great food. And at the end of the day, that's not the way they think, <laughs> right? right? So it's, it's important to hear it and make those changes. But like you mentioned earlier, wisdom, something you learn from early on in your career, you know when you're putting out good food, right? And you know when you're putting out great food. And you know when most of the people are actually going to love that food. And of course, you don't always make every single person happy. But there's other parts of that whole experience, which we'll talk about a little bit more, that 
can change that because it's not just about what's on that plate and what goes into their mouth. There's so much more to that overall great experience that people have, especially in a restaurant. Absolutely. So back to those early years, though, some of the things that uh, I think everybody looks at, you know, to achieve that greatness and is ingredients. I love that. And I love the focus on the individual ingredients because it does drive the opportunity for greatness. If you start with great products and you treat them respectfully, I think you have a, a really good chance of achieving greatness. So two chefs that come to mind. The first was my first job out of cooking school. I traveled from the East Coast where I live to San Francisco. And I worked for Bradley Ogden, who was young in his career, but he's a Michigan native and he grew up catching trout and hunting for morel mushrooms in Michigan and just a real outdoorsman, a very humble man, but tremendous chef. He put flavors together that people just had never experienced before but loved uh, immediately. And he, along with Alice Waters at the time over in Berkeley, really connected with the local artisan people, people that were baking great bread or raising the perfect French breakfast radish, I'll never forget, we would have somebody come in with very fine French green beans. I'd never seen them so small and tiny, but they had a pint. (laughs) So it wasn't something that you couldn't put that on every dish uh, in a busy restaurant, but you could do something very special, uh, making a salad. So, you know, we made a foie gras salad um, with some of the trimmings from the foie gras, but it had those fine haricot vert in them. And so Sometimes the the amount of a great product kind of forces you to be a little more creative. And if you don't have an unlimited supply, I think that's special. It's okay to run out of something really great if you only have a a small amount. We got fresh huckleberries a few times, and I had just never experienced something that was that delicious. And we made a beautiful huckleberry sorbet from it. Um, But it was a great restaurant. And I would say that the, the honoring and the simplicity of the cooking by taking great ingredients and lifting them just slightly was the hallmark of that restaurant. The second chef I worked for that was a stickler for quality was George Perrier, who ran Lebec Fenn in Philadelphia. And George is an uh, MOF, so Meilleur Ouvrier de France, uh, a master craftsman. The French government gives this certification out. And to get to that level, you have to be great at a lot of things, but mainly great at cooking. And Chef Perrier would have the veal supplier bone out the veal loins that we would use for our veal medallions and chop up the bones and give us everything separated in beautiful butcher paper tied up with butcher's twine and charge us for the whole (laughs) veal loin price so he was doing labor for free for George Perrier, and, and Perrier <laughs> got to that reason by saying, look, your veal is on Lebec Fenn's menu, one of the best French restaurants in, in the country. So that's free marketing and advertising for you. He did the same with all the purveyors of Frise or Dover Sole. If it wasn't perfect, it, if it wasn't the size he wanted, if the Frise had too many green outer leaves and not the pale yellow and white that you're looking for in that beautiful endive, he would send it back. He would send back case after case. He said, I'll, I'll take it off the menu instead of serving something that's not right. And I, to this day, I look back and people, it was good news, bad news if you won the Lebec Fenn account. You know, it's great, <laughs> great for your business, uh, but you're going to really, really work for it. At the end of the day, you're, you're the person buying it, right? So at that point in time, he's the customer, 
So he he wanted what he wanted. I mean, that experience for you, not unfortunately, not everybody gets that same experience, but that's got to be amazing because you got to see great products, you know, whether it was that pint of Harry Covert or what the perfect case of frise should look like and because it tastes best like that. I mean, that's definitely, I'm sure, helped mold you and brought you to what, in your mind, greatness is and how you put the best of the best out for the people that are eating your food. But, you know, you've had these experience. I've been working with you for well over 20 years, and I've had a lot of those great experiences too. But, you know, not everybody is at that high, uh, high level, fine dining experience. Maybe they're working at a, at a, um, a little resort, uh, could be at a ski resort or something where it's just your everyday cafeteria style food. But there can be greatness found in, in something like that, too. It's just at a different level. What would you consider greatness for a group of cooks there or for an operator there uh, that really helps them? Again, it's great at a different level. I really love this question, Pete. And I think, you know, there were maybe eight or 10 cooks on the dinner service at Lebec Fen. So you're right. Not everybody's going to experience that. And it's not saying that, that we were better cooks than somebody that worked at a hotel, but I'll use a hotel as an example. So a lot of hotels have breakfast stations or breakfast as part of the, the hotel cost for the, the evening. And you wake up and, you know, you might have a busy day ahead of you, but you want to start your day off right. You want something tasty and healthy and, and you see this omelet bar and you walk up and there's beautifully sliced mushrooms and cherry tomatoes cut in half and they're, maybe they're really ripe and bright red and, and some spinach that's nicely cleaned and on ice and really cared for. And a variety of cheeses that, not, not just the cheeses that you would expect that were pre-grated somewhere, but maybe freshly grated cheese. And I'm drooling, just think about that. I'm th- thinking about making a, you know, caramelized onion and spinach and tomato uh, scramble. Uh, I'd put bacon in it, of course. Um, <laughs> but that's a way to take an unexpected pleasure, some, something very fresh, but you could make all that stuff at home. It takes a little bit of work to pull all of that together and to buy it. But the care in handling it and, and keeping it fresh in front of the customer and providing choices that are not only colorful, but really good for you. I think it's a way of saying, hey, we want you to have a great day. We care about you. We want you to come back. And here's a little gift to us in the form of amazing food that you're not going to get everywhere. That's a great way to put it. There's so many different options to go get breakfast, right? Whether right. whether it's fine dining or, or it might be at a, a fast food place, but... You know, in that instance at a hotel, I mean, just or or other places like that where here's this bounty of vegetables and different foods that you can pick and choose what you want. So it becomes custom. It's about that experience, too. Right. For the customer. I want to tie in something here that so my wife's not a chef. Clearly, she's not someone that has spent a lot of time cooking. Um, we love that about her. She's it's it's an adventure to watch her in the kitchen. But she's embraced this Marie Kondo approach to if something doesn't give you joy, don't keep it. Let someone else enjoy it that maybe really, really wants it or, or sees the joy in that. And think about all the ingredients that you bring into a restaurant and, and what could be joyful or what could be really special. 
Even an onion. If you take an onion and put it in some vegetable oil and put it in a low oven overnight, uh, you're going to come back the next morning have these gorgeous caramelized onions, but they were slow caramelized over hours. And you drain that, and now your oil has this sweet onion flavor, so you can use mm-hmm. it for vinaigrettes and other things. And you can also fold those beautifully caramelized onions into mashed potatoes and and lift that preparation up as well. So not everything has to be expensive to be great. It just takes a little bit of a ima- you know imagination and a commitment to I'm going to make this really sing, no matter what it is. Yep, yeah, just thinking about those onions in that oil and it's amazing so for the listeners out there if if you heard what steven said it is an amazing way i mean you just put a a case of onions in a big pot or in a big rondo and just let them cool i guess it's not cool but it's not hot just overnight in that oven it's they're like candy but you have literally no burnt, charred pieces that can sometimes happen if you're caramelizing over something sort of hot. And, you know, you cool them down and, and they're there to go into so many dishes. And, and it actually will speed up some of that, uh, that work on the line later on. I haven't done it in a while, chef, so I need to put that back in the repertoire. Let's touch a little bit more on the surface aspect of, you know, great and that experience. In a restaurant, a service to me is so important. Sometimes I think if service is, is better than the food and the food's good, it could still be a great experience. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the tables here because you're, you're great at setting me up with great questions. But I've been around you, like you said, 20 years, and I've seen you have a commitment to service. And I think you know how hard it is to serve great food out of the kitchen if you have a front of the house team that supports you and is there to elevate uh, the food by presenting it quickly and efficiently and accurately, and then reading guests and understanding what they like and then what they don't like, you have a very strong opinion about service. And so I'd, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about some experiences you've had or just your philosophy of what makes great service and how can we all try to achieve that? Oh, uh, Sure. I'll go back in my career. So starting off, I would say in food, I worked for a small uh, chain of grocery stores on Long Island. And, um, you know, I worked in the deli counter there and had the opportunity as a deli manager, deli clerk, to talk to every customer, meet them face to face. They'd come up and tell me what they want. Uh, and you, you build this repertoire, like in any restaurant, you, you're going to do that too with your regulars, but there's, there's this connection that you're never going to get when you're in the back and you don't see the person and, and, and really understand what it is they're looking for. And you get to ask those questions, but that eye contact is, is so huge. So most of the time in most kitchens, you're going to have that, you know, if it's an open kitchen, great, but other, other cooks really still talking to the customers uh, maybe if they're at an island or something that's, you know, right there, uh, there might be some conversations. But the, the front of the house, the, the, the waiter, wait staff, they're the ones who have that opportunity more than anything. So understanding the needs of that customer is so big, but, you know, smiling and just being there to make them feel great. They're out for dinner. They want a great experience. And it doesn't matter if this is at, 
your 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 corner little bar and grill or a high end restaurant, people want to feel like they're being taken care of, mm-hmm. and. It's not that hard to do, actually, because again, you you see the look on their face. You can tell if if they're in a rush or or if if they need you know so something special, something's going on. That that's for us to then go. Okay, how are we going to service this person and and make their experience great? So to me, that that's a big part. And you said it earlier on that you know going out there and and talking to the customer. You know, a lot of chefs do it. There's plenty out there that probably need to. Sometimes it's hard, yes, when it's it, you're you're cooking on a station. You don't have that opportunity. But I do I do think people needed to do that more. And and the customers sitting in that restaurant or in the deli, whatever it is, they want to see you. Whether you come out once a week or whatever, they like it. Whether you talk to them or you're just walking through and talk to another table, that makes them feel happy. I, I mean, I'm a chef and I, I go, but I'm also a, a customer. And when I'm at a restaurant and I see a chef come out talking to a table, I'm like, right on. That's good. Right. And again, can't maybe get to every table, but pretty important. I think the whole service aspect. So chef, I, I love that personal touch. Cause we, you know, it's a people business. Um, mm-hmm. Just one follow-up question. Nobody has to be perfect every day to be great. You can be great without being perfect. Sure. But so what do you look for when there's been a mistake? Maybe something didn't go right with the experience in a restaurant. And yet you walk away and you say, you know, I still give it a great score. I think that they nailed it. So what do you look for when mistakes happen? Whether it's the kitchen's fault or the front of the house's fault, doesn't matter. A mistake happened. Yep. What, what are some points you want to bring across? One of the most important things is when we, the minute we realize that there was a mistake made, you have to address it. Now, do you have an immediate perfect answer for that issue? No, but you come over to that table, go to that customer, where, wherever this is, could be a coffee shop, doesn't matter. And you want to reach out to them at a personal level there and, and talk to them, try to figure out what happened. If you don't know exactly what happened and you have to read the situation because every situation is different on what you need to do next. I've been in places where the whole table got, you know, comped because of a mistake when really, uh, you know, a drink or maybe even just saying, oh, I'm so sorry, we're going to correct that. That might have been all you needed to do to to make it happen, right? But but that's, we're in that reading, you know, as a chef, you're watching people, you're looking at them eating, so especially in an open restaurant, you can tell if people are enjoying your food or not. If you right. see a look on their face that's just not right, you can go and approach that table and be like, okay, is everything good here? You know, we have to get good at reading the situation and the people. That's That to me is important to really do well in this industry and to have great service. That's a must. And addressing it can just simply be acknowledging that mm-hmm. you don't look happy right now. Yep. <laughs> what can I do? How can I help you out? And that's, that's amazing if someone takes that step towards you. You're, you're gonna resp- most customers are going to respond well to that. I, I, I want to make this experience the best it can be for you. So where do we go from here? And yeah. there's, I think there's a shared responsibility there. So great answer and great points. Thank you. I have one quick story I want to bring up. Uh, someone told me years ago they went to a pretty high-end restaurant in New York City, and uh, someone at their table was 
their eye was really irritated and they were rubbing it a lot. So the waiter that was working on that table asked the gentleman, hey, is everything okay? And ah, yeah, my contacts got scratched or something, something's not right. Um, and within like the next five minutes, they came over on a little silver platter with like saline and other like just like disposable type contacts that someone ran down the street wow. to like a Walgreens and took care of that. They didn't charge them for it or anything, but they wanted that person to have a great evening in their restaurant and it made all the difference of the world. It was I'll that bet simple. you that gentleman told that story 50 times after that night. Easily. I'd say probably 50,000 times because yeah, right? I might have heard it from someone up on a stage once. But it, it was – I hear that and I'm like, wow, that that is really taking service to the next level. It's unbelievable. But that could happen anywhere, you know? I mean, just or even addressing it, talking to someone about it, at least showing that I see that you're – uncomfortable. Maybe I can't solve the issue right now for you, but is everything okay, sir? You know, or ma'am, that that's one of those. That's just taking it to another level. Chef Steven, I'm always in awe of the knowledge you have, and I want to pick your brain some more, so we're going to pause here. When we continue our conversation in part two of the episode, we're going to dive into more ways food service professionals can get from good to great. Listeners, you'll want to subscribe so you don't miss out when part two of the episode is available. To get the next episode delivered to your inbox, subscribe on our website, sterlingsilvermeats.com. Just sign up for our e-newsletter at the top of the page. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. And be sure to follow us at Sterling Silver Premium Meats on Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you in the kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats. 